Welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 183, Level Up Review. Yeah, it's another Level Up Review. And we are finishing our Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And uh, man, this was really, I mean, I feel like the second half of the book was definitely different than the first half in the sense of um, there was, I don't know, it was more focused on like specifically like intense athletics as opposed to like just overcoming obstacles as a youth and all of that. But, you know, I, I still like as I'm going through this, I'm like picking out themes like, oh, this totally applies to like reselling or this totally applies to being just an entrepreneur in general. And so um, I'm excited to talk about some of the themes from here. And, you know, I mean, if you haven't read the book yet or or even just watch some interviews from David Goggins, um, he's, he's an inspiring guy. He's one of those guys that, you know, you may not agree with his uh, his intensity or his philosophy on everything know. we've had some people on social media hit us up and say hey this transformed things for yeah me. no for sure. things we have some people that decided to run more nice. I mean, they didn't go like 100 miles in hawaii but <laughs> they went anyway harder okay so i gotta give my update though real quick because i'm sure people i don't know maybe they'll care do you remember what i said i was gonna do i don't remember i said i was gonna ride a bike for the first Ooh. time okay so i i just i gotta be real with it so i didn't get there yet all right now I, I can verify, I can show you the text that I did. So what I decided was I didn't want to buy a bike. I wanted to borrow a bike from someone, but we had the fires, we had a lot going on mm. and I got caught up. So I will be picking up the bike actually today when this episode drops and I will be, see it says right there, right? Sweet. Uh, you can come by and grab a bike today or tomorrow if you'd like. Nice. So I'm going to grab a bike and maybe I'll post on an Instagram stories. I just, I don't. I don't really want to show that. Like, you know, some people can do like, they can show themselves working out on mm-hmm. Instagram. Like, I just, I just can't do that kind of stuff. We should, we should make it like, uh, and, and not trying to like mock you at all, but we should make <laughs> it like, we should, we should record a video of it and make it like, you know, like teaching a kid how to ride a bike. Oh, and like, my. I could like push you from like, push your back and hold you in like, you wasn't there like a commercial? Oh, you were too young, but there was a commercial like, father or was it mother or father you never failed me. And it was like this parent, like showing a kid how to ride a bike. It was like an after school, like, PSA or something. So, but I figured it was about time. Like I was like, Hey, I can't have shame about this. So that's why, because the guy that I was going to borrow the bike from, he was dealing with the fires too. And he's like, Hey, and actually I haven't worked outside because of the air quality, Mm. but I think we're in a better place. Yeah. I think things are a lot better. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited that the fact that reading this book, because I mean, obviously, you know, for you, like the, you've got things that drive you. Right. And, and you're not the kind of person just from what I gather that like, you know, like you said, like watching people on Instagram working out, isn't what motivates you. You know what no, I mean? Like you're motivated no. by other things and going out and, and, you know, living, you know, having your family and, and making money and those things. So it's not like, Hey, I just want to be intense and work out. But the fact that reading this book is kind of inspiring you to like do a little bit yeah. of that, you know, well, that's kind of cool. The, all these books have, if you think about it, right. There's always been, there was Mel Robbins, a five second mm-hmm. rule. There's getting a, up a little earlier, getting up a little earlier. It didn't last forever, but I do get up earlier. I mean, Tim Ferriss, you know, we both talked about like it made us kind of make sure we worked within smaller confines of time and, and a bunch of other, but I mean, this is book, I think we're going to hit book 11 after this. That's crazy. I mean, pounding through this. I was thinking about this. You know, when you, we'll, we'll get to the book review. Sorry, everyone that's listening, but you guys will resonate with this. Sometimes you go into a job interview and it's like, tell us about the last three books that you read. Oh, geez. Have you ever been in an interview and uh, gotten that question? Uh-huh. Right. Or something similar. Yeah. So I've been pondering this, like, not that I'm going to go back to the nine to five, but what if I did go back to the nine to five? Like I'd be ready. And they would all be like good books. Yeah. Right. Because we, I mean, there's only one book that we're kind of like, eh, yeah. you know, but 
all of them, you know, are books that we can speak upon. So, and those of you who have been following us the whole time, there you go, right? Don't stress yeah. about that question on your interview because you're ready to go. That's right. I love it. All right, let's jump into this. Let's do it. So, um, this section kind of starts off. Uh, so at the end of chapter five last week, he makes it through a SEAL training, right? Second time having to go to Bud's because of injuries and getting rolled back and having to do the water training again and everything he had to go through, but he makes it. He gets through and he gets through with honors. Um, his team is one of the best teams that had gone through. And, you know, to see like, okay, he's got this accomplishment. And what I've noticed, what what kind of stood out to me in these chapters is a lot of times I feel like when people get to like, the pinnacle, right? Whatever it is in their career. Like I made it to this position or I got this promotion. They're like happy. And they're like, that's it. I made it. And they kind of just like rest in that for a while. He was like, all right, I finished basically SEAL training twice. Um, <laughs> it's just insane. Oh, there's this crazy run I heard about. I need to get in it. Oh, I need to like prove myself before I can get in this. How about I do this like 100 mile, 24 hour run and I've never trained for anything like this in my life. That was the crazy part. The right? crazy part is like- And it's he, three days from now. Yeah, I mean, what I think of, I mean, I think of people that prepare for marathons, it's like three months to go 26 miles. Yeah. He did like, well, how many days was it? Three days? Yeah, it was like three days and he was like not, like eating junk right before. And like he, and, and this is one of the things that I appreciate about him is he doesn't make excuses. Like he'll basically say like, I was extremely ill prepared for what I was trying to do. One, I didn't have like the knowledge, the understanding of training or, or diet for it. And two, I didn't have enough time. But the crazy thing is you can look and say like, he was clearly not prepared and he was able to muscle his way through pretty much all of these challenges, right? Of just sheer willpower. And so, yeah, so he goes through this. He's he's not a normal human. No, no, for sure. And I think that's important to realize too is um, there, I mean, everybody has different talents and skills and the amount of dedication and just unmitigated like discipline or threshold that this guy has is, 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 Un, it's uncommon and, and it's uncommon amongst uncommon is one of the things that kind of gets mentioned in the book. Um, but to, to look and say this is possible, right? And maybe that his limits are further than mine in some ways. Maybe it's a mental limit, his are further or whatever it is. But it kind of might push you to say, maybe, maybe my limits are further than I think too. Maybe they're not David Goggins level, but I'm not even trying to get that far. So maybe if I did try to get that far, I'd surprise myself. But yeah, so we see that this first run that he tries to do, um, and again, like I've done half marathons before and I, I usually train for like 16 weeks prepping for a half marathon and that's only 13.1 miles. Right. And I'm not a runner. So, I mean, I need that amount of time to build up to that. And and he was doing running. I mean, in seal training, they would run, but we're talking like five mile runs or 10 mile runs. This is a hundred miles in 24 hours. And the crazy thing is as you're listening to this, he starts way too fast. And one of the things, you know, and, and this might be a principle we could take even with reselling or being an entrepreneur is one of the problems that happens for a lot of people when it comes to like racing half marathons. I, I noticed this even with people I trained with is people will take off way too fast. They got the adrenaline going, they're motivated and they go and then they end up burning out and using too much of their fuel too early and they don't have what it takes to, to, to finish strong. And I think that sometimes even with reselling, we could be like that, right? Like you might get like really pumped and motivated to do something. So you take like 100 pictures of 100 items in one day and you're going to list all these and next thing you know you're so burnt out you don't do anything for like four days right instead of saying like i'm going to list 10 items today and sometimes people do that but then we can also see that he does this 100 mile run and he gets to like mile 30 and he's basically dying and he gets to mile 60 and he's like he doesn't have anything left like literally his like bones are shattering in his legs and he's his toenails are coming off like it is I wonder if the edited version had that much 
like detail. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, at one point, like, I mean, and, and you know, there's something like physically, like he's in danger. I that. mean, he's pretty descriptive. Yeah, I mean, like he's urinating blood. Like it, it's a really bad situation that he's in. Um, and he's even trying to hide it. He's got people that are trying to like kind of help him and he's trying to hide the position he's in, but he gets to a place and he's trying to do this for a good cause, right? He's trying to do this to honor some fallen, um, you know, people in the military. Yeah, he who, wants to do the Badwater Marathon mm -hmm. to be able to raise money for families. Yeah. And so he's, he's got a good cause. Ultra marathon. But he gets to a point where he goes, you know, what? it's not even about the cause. It's about me getting to the end of my limit and just doing the best that I absolutely can and finishing this thing. And, and the crazy thing is he does it. And he does it at the point where like he he essentially should be hospitalized and isn't hospitalized, but he like should be like passes out for hours at his house. And if you read it in the book, he should be hospitalized. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but just to think like he gets to the point, like I, I would imagine I'm not the kind of person that like gives up easily, but I remember like, you know, when I was in high school, you know, football practice, and, like you having a hard practice. And I'd, I'd be glad for any excuse. Like if it was like, oh, air quality is too bad. We, we're going to have to bring it in today, guys. We're not going to be able to. I would have been like, oh, thank goodness. Right. Like I would have been happy for it. And so when he's at a place where where he's physically to the point where he's urinating blood and he's just basically dying, I think I would be like, you know what? I proved that I pushed myself as hard as I could possibly push myself. And I'd give up. He doesn't give up. He just keeps going. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I teetered back and forth while reading this. Like, okay, I don't, I'm not sure everyone should go. Th I don't know. I feel wrong saying this, but I think you need. I think some people need to know their limits. Obviously, he didn't know his limits, but obviously, his limits were a lot further than most people. Mm. Right? I mean, if you read the account, it's insane. But I going back to your quote here. It's a, he said he was talking about how there was. I think it was a elderly lady that was also running this race mm -hmm. at the same time. And she was kind of like at a slow space, a slow pace. And he was just gunning. And he says, if it came to it, I figured I could walk that fast. Only I didn't walk. When that horn sounded at the start of the race, I took off hot and zoom to the front of the pack. Exactly the right move. If your race day goal is to blow everything up, mm -hmm. right. To have it go. And, and it, and it did it. So he's talking about Ms. Anagaki, I think. And basically she like just passed them up, right? She was still in pain, but, but I agree with what you're saying. Like, and I think it applies to a lot of things. Like sometimes we try to go all 100 at something instead of prepping, instead of getting ready. And sometimes a lot of people still make it, mm. but there are a lot of people that don't. Yeah. Right. And Goggins is the exception. Yeah. I would say Goggins is the 1% that make it. Now, here's the question though. Okay. Is it because he's the 1% that actually can make it or that he was, he's one of the 1% who's willing to push himself beyond comfortable. Like he was, he, cause I think the point he tries to make in a lot of these chapters, yeah. I think 40% is the number he gives in a later chapter that most people, when they've hit their wall and they're like, I've given a hundred percent, I have nothing left in the tank. And I don't know where he gets this number from. It could be very arbitrary, but I think I get the gist of what he's trying to say is most people have only reached 40% of their, their actual ability. And, and I, I even think about this, like there were times when, um, I'm trying to finish up my master's program and I'm, you know, got a, a son that was just been born and he's in the NICU and I'm pulling mm -hmm. like three mm -hmm. nights in a row of no sleeping and I'm trying to teach and I've got all this stuff going on in my life. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get this project done. There's no way. And I started to feel bad for myself, but I'm like, you know what? I have to do it. And I just grind it out for another two hours on the computer, typing up my, my report and reading the books that I don't want to read. And I'm like, I could just skim this. No, I need to read it. So I know what I'm talking about. And you get to the end and you're like, I didn't think I could do it, but like, I just kept going and somehow I got done. And, and, and not to say that like, that's 
super amazing. But I think that a lot of times people get to where they think I've given everything. And there were multiple times where I was like, that's it. I don't have anything left. I need to just lay down. I don't have, I literally can't do anymore. And I get another five pages typed up because I'm like, but I have to, the deadline is, is in two hours. I have to, you know? So I think that sometimes when you think you've made it to the furthest you can push yourself, there might be a little more there. And I do think you need to be careful and find your limits and say, maybe this is physically or emotionally unsafe. (laughs) I mean, I think there's those places, but I think I don't know if if David. I think he's an exception in the fact that he's willing to push. No, he's that. he's not at all saying he's like the one percent. He's saying all of us have that ability, right? right? And so, and I, I think there's truth to that. I I, re, I really do. And it's interesting because part of the methodology he says that he implemented to get himself right when he got to that seventy mile and he couldn't go anymore was this cookie jar thing. So let me let me read this real quick. So. He goes back into his memory about his mom. If you read from the earlier chapters, how terrible they had it, especially when they left uh, their abusive father and they had to figure things out on their own. Uh, He says, I remembered as a kid, no matter how messed up things were, my mother always figured out a way to stock our cookie jar. She'd buy wafers and Oreos, Pepperidge Farm, Milano's and Chips Ahoy. You should all sponsor us, by the way. Mm. And whenever she showed up with a new batch of cookies, she dumped them into a jar. With her permission, we'd get to pick one or two at a time. It was like a mini treasure hunt. I remember the joy of dropping my fists into the jar, wondering what I'd find. And before I crammed the cookie in my mouth, I always took the time to admire it first, especially when we were broke in Brazil. And he's talking about when the uh, this Brazil Indiana, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I turned it into my hand and say my own little prayer of thanks. The feeling of being that kid locked in a moment of gratitude for a simple gift like a cookie came back to me. I felt it viscerally and I used that concept to stuff a new kind of cookie jar and set inside it were all my past victories. Mm-hmm. Right. So then he uses this, this idea, this concept of the cookie jar about, you know, going through Navy SEAL training twice. Right. The, the fact that one time he almost died right when he was out in the, in the ocean when he was being challenged and he just basically said, no, I'm going to take this person's soul. Like, and if you have no idea what we're talking about, you should go back to our other yeah, episode. About take this. some souls, <laughs> take some souls. souls. Right. And he says all this. And then he says, these weren't mere flashbacks. I wasn't just floating through my memory files. I actually tapped into the emotional state I felt during those victories. And so doing access, my sympathetic nervous, and my reading that I had sympathetic nervous system once again. My adrenaline took over. The pain started to fade just enough, and my pace picked up. I began swinging my arms and lengthening my stride. Right, and so I started thinking about that. You know, all of us have gone to through some kind of pain or tragedy, right? Different levels, right? There are some people that can handle a lot, and there's some people that can't handle a lot. But regardless of what you can handle, it all feels the same. And so it was, it was encouraging me to, to me. I mean, if we want to relate to reselling, I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's been at the cusp of just Q4 hitting or it's been when summer has been, you know, dead or early days of the pandemic or, or when I dropped $5,000 and I ended up losing $5,000 and going, I think I'm done. But instead I just kept pushing. And I just kept pushing because I kept remembering, Hey, last time I made it, I made very, I made a lot of money. Right. Even though I thought things were bad, I still made it or overcoming life's obstacles, whether it be, you know, somebody had had uh, talked to us on Instagram about reading about the abusive home and how they've been able to get out of that and they've been able to rebuild their life. And we know a lot of people on Instagram that have gone through terrible divorces or terrible financial uh, situations and 
the fact that they've been able to overcome those situations, they've been able to be stronger the next go around, whether it's been in the reselling business, whether it's been in a relationship issue or whatever it is. And so just think about that cookie jar. I, I, I thought that was pretty powerful because I, even myself, I've gone through some crazy stuff. And sometimes I feel like I, 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 I'm just, I'm done. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to persevere through this. But then I start thinking back on those terrible moments I had. I'm like, why am I even complaining? Like I made it through this. I can definitely make it through this. Yeah. And I think that's good. Cause yeah, sometimes it's victories that, that can fuel you and everybody's feel is going to be a little different. Um, I think, I think that is going to be one that's going to help a lot of people. I know for some people it's the negative emotions, right? Like the people they want to prove wrong. And I think there's maybe a healthy way of doing that. And then there's an unhealthy way of doing that. Uh, but there's different things that drive people. And I think, I mean, he he goes on to, to to basically after he finishes this race, like he's ready for another one, even though he's not physically ready. But like one victory, him a- achieving the goal, even though he didn't do it as well as he was hoping to do. He's like, I've done something that I didn't think was, you know, well, he, he thinks it's all possible, but something that seems impossible, he does. And it gives him the drive to do the next thing. And I think like, what is that thing that drives you, right? Like what's, maybe let us know in the comments, like what is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you and keeps you going? Because I, I tell you what, there's times um, when I'm I'm putting a 12 hour day into work and I've got extra things I've got going on and I'm, I'm helping out doing stuff at church and I'm doing, um, you know, things that got the podcast coming up. Plus I've got a whole bunch of shipments that need to go out. And I'm just like, this is like a 19 hour day. And I don't like, I just feel overwhelmed and I, I don't have the energy to go do this other thing. And then I think back to my wife and my son who are at home and I'm like, I'm doing this for them, right? Like this thing that I'm doing, working so hard, I'm, I'm providing, I'm providing the things they need. I'm giving them a life that, that I feel is, a, a worthy life. It's a good life. And so um, those, you got to find that thing that's what, what is that cookie jar for you? What's the thing? Is it past successes? Maybe it's past failures. And you're like, I don't want to feel like that again. Right. I don't want to, I remember how I felt when I just gave up and sat on the couch and I felt terrible for the next week. Or maybe it's the person who you're like, if I, if I give up, they're going to laugh in my face and say, I told you so. Like, what is that thing that motivates you? Cause if you know what that is, you can pull on it. And, and like I try and tell we're doing this thing with our students this year. They're calling it zones of regulation. And it's like different colors you're in. It's basically just understanding your emotion. And one of the things that I think we've all realized at some point in our life is when you're in like the craziest situation, you're not going to think rationally, right? Like I always even say like morning Mike, I don't trust morning Mike because he's not rational. Um, so I tell myself before I go to bed, when my alarm clock gets goes off at 4.30, I'm getting up and I'm getting out of bed and I've already got like my alarm clock basically by my bathroom sink so I could splash water on my face because I know if I don't do that, I'm going to go back to sleep and make an excuse, right? So when you're in that situation, you can't trust yourself then. You're not going to be able to trust yourself when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're alone, when you're like all, all these things, that's not the time to make the decision. You have to have made the decision before. So you've got to know what your, your cookie jar is before you get to that point so that you can go, oh yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Now, where's my motivation? Yeah, and it's a very easy concept. I mean, he breaks it down. It doesn't even have to be a big deal. He says, even if you're feeling low and beat down by life right now, I guarantee you, you can think of a time or two when you overcame odds and tasted success. It doesn't have to be a big victory either. It can be something small. Mm. Right? So so think back on that because, you know, when you're in those moments of desperation, that's the last thing you want to think about, right? And, and a lot of us go into panic mode faster than others. And some of us go into escape mode, right? It's either fight or flight, right? Or sometimes it's, I think the other one's frozen, right? You don't do anything, 
right? So you got to choose what you're going to do. But I love the way he, he ends the chapter. He says, I knew that I had been selling myself short, that there was a whole new level of performance out there to tap into. And this is after he made that race, which you should have read the account. It's, it's insane. That the human body can withstand and accomplish a lot more than most of us think possible. And that it all begins and ends in the mind. This wasn't a theory. It wasn't something I'd read in a book. I'd experienced it firsthand on hospitality point. Right. And then his challenge is basically take inventory of that cookie jar, what we just talked about. So I thought it was a great way to end that chapter. No, that's great. And uh, man, I love that you've got the quotes this week. Um, normally we're both pulling out quotes, but I, uh, like I, I, I did audible on this book, so I, I didn't end up getting a physical copy to get quotes down. Um, so I think that that kind of helps because uh, otherwise I think we end up having the same quotes 90% of the time. Anyways. You know what would have been cool? I don't know if audible had a function, which by the way, we were hoping audible will sponsor us. But anyways, the Audible had a function where you can like take clips of the Audible and like we could play on the podcast. Mm. Well, we, we I don't think could, legally we yeah, could. Yeah, but there would be there'd be copyright issues, I'm sure. <laughs> right, because Goggins is reading this book. Yeah, Goggins is, yeah. And and the cool thing too, I forgot to mention with with the Audible version of this is at, at the end of each chapter, I think it's the end of each chapter, um, it basically turns into a podcast. It's him and another guy and, and the other guy will like ask him questions and he'll oh, go really? more. Yeah, so okay. it's like it, he gives the thing and then another guy kind of, it almost turns into like, reading the book and then almost like a little mini podcast about that chapter. So it's kind of cool. Um, so the next chapter, a lot of actually this whole ending of the the book kind of revolves around him taking on more and more physical challenges. So one of the things in this next chapter, I mean, more he, than a hundred mile ultra marathon. Well, that's, what's crazy, right? Like he does more and more of these insane races and insane challenges. And one of the things that stood out to me, and again, like I'm, I'm thinking this time, like, themes that I can pull. And one of the things is like the idea of building a resume, right? Because he wanted to get into this bad water, but he had to, this was like an invitational only. He couldn't just say like, Hey, like I want to run this race. I mean, just like certain Ironmans, like the top of the top ones, you have to win certain things or, or, uh, the, the Boston marathon, right? Like you have to have a resume showing you've qualified for it. And so he doesn't have a lot of time to try and build this resume and he's going for it. Every big crazy challenge that's right around the corner that he can get into he's getting into hoping to build that resume so that he can get into this big race now i think about that like okay so that might apply like to to in general like to to being a a hustler or trying to be an entrepreneur but but think about that in life in general like are you building your resume are you trying to find new skills and new abilities that you can can put under your belt and have so that when you go maybe to apply for another job or get a contact and, and you're trying to get a new client or you're whatever it is, are you building your resume? Are you trying to live on successes that you've had years and years ago and you're never getting any better, right? Like it's easy. And I think for me, like, okay, and I know we both have gotten our master's degree or educators. And a lot of times it's easy to kind of be like, I've, I've got this credential. I've got this degree. I'm good. And you're not always, not everybody keeps pushing and saying, I've got this. But now I want to get another credential, another degree, another training program. I want to keep getting better and build that resume. Um, I want to learn more about, I know a lot about eBay, but I don't know a lot about Amazon. Maybe I need to learn there or I need to learn about, you know, wholesale and who do I need to talk to about that? So are you building a resume, right? Like, are you, is there something in your life that you're saying I've, I've reached it and I don't want to learn anymore? Are you constantly trying to build up who you are as a person by developing new skills and, and getting more successes. So you're not just relying on that one. Cause that's the thing about success too. You can have that big sale where it's like, yeah, I bought this thing for a hundred bucks and I was able to make 10 grand off of it, but that's not going to support you for the rest of your life. Right. And so you can't keep living. I feel like sometimes people are almost like, uh, 
what was it? Is it Al Bundy from uh, the <laughs> Married, with, Married Children? with Children? Where he always talked about that one game when he was in high school in football that he got to play. And like, that was like his whole, like, that was his, that was what he stood on, right? Was that one moment of success. And you know, those stories get tired too. I yeah. mean, we all know people that it's like, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know that are like, I almost made into the majors, but this happened. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the only story, yep. right? That That's it. And we have so much life left ahead of us. I mean, I'm thinking right now I'm 41 now and I'm like, I, I have a whole, I mean, I had my great 15 years of education and maybe one day I'll go back. I'm not sure. But to me, there's so much more mm. like, and you know, I'm thinking now I've even considered getting an MBA in business, right? Mm. I, I don't know if I'm going to go down that road, but you know, to me, it's like th- there's more to more to do. And he actually, he addresses this in that chapter. He's talking about when he got to the finish line, he was looking around and he says, we habitually settle for less than our best at work in school, in our relationships and on the playing field or race course, we settle as individuals and we teach our children to settle for less than their best. And all that ripples out, merges and multiplies within our communities and society as a whole. Mm. And I, I really think that's a, I don't know. I get the sense that, you know, growing up, I remember my parents were always very big on, you know, we're giving you a better life so you don't have to sacrifice. Right. And then now I'm an adult and I I tried implementing that. And now I'm like, I I don't like this. Mm. Right. Because now, and I love my kids and and they're hard workers. And my son, my oldest son, he's really doing well in school right now. And I don't have to push them. But there was a lot of confrontation because it's kind of like, hey, I'm good. Like, I don't have to worry. And and I think the moment I started telling him, like, I'm not paying for your college. I'm not going to pay for your car. Like, I'll give you some money to open your business. We talked about that with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm, I'm going to give him some money, but in order for him to get a better car, he's going to have to work for that. And so, you know, he could end up with the hoopty or he could end up with a nice ride on the first day of school when he's 16. But it, it's one of those things that I think, I don't know, and I'm not blaming any generation, but I really got the sense of like, I have to work hard so my kids don't have it tough. And what what kind of message am I conveying when I do that? What what kind of message am I conveying for myself that, hey, as long as, and I'm not saying I, I need to be mega rich to be happy. What I'm saying is wealth isn't just about money in the bank or or the kind of house that I live in. It's, it's intellectual, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's all these different things, right? And so... Yeah, that definitely, definitely was motivating to me to think about like, am I, am I just settling for less? So, all right. Now he keeps talking about this fact about <laughs> getting up early in the morning. And you know, I, I just, I, I, I know you're big on that and I am trying, I will say I've been getting up earlier, but you know, I, 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 I want to take out this quote from page 203 in that same chapter. He says, um, he talks about getting up early. He says, that's what getting up at the early morning, he uses different language, <laughs> and putting uh, and putting out will do for you. It makes you better in all facets of your life. And, you know, there is something to be said. I mean, you had had the discussion with me, Mike, uh, a couple of weeks ago. You said, Orlando, how much do you think you'll get done if you get up earlier? Because, you know, you guys obviously see me on Instagram, but I'm always doing these late night Instagram stories, right? And I'm always working late night. And... I'm kind of playing with the idea. Like if I get up early, will I get more? Like I do have this belief that I get more done at night just because I'm a night person, but that may be untrue. Yeah. So. yeah I mean, you at least got to test it and you got to give it a fair test. Cause I think, I think, and, and we've talked about this probably ad nauseum as far as waking up early, but um, 
you you it's only have a so little many, bit though. You only have so many, you know, waking hours during the day. And um you're gotta you've gotta organize your tasks so that the most brain intensive tasks I feel and the most important things of the day happen in the beginning of the day. Um, if you save them for the end of the day, a couple of things happen, at least from my experience and from the literature that I've read and the, the what psychologists have said. One is if you save like the really important things towards the end of the day, it's hanging over your head all day long. It's mm-hmm. pressure. It's stress, mm-hmm. right? If you can tackle those things in the morning, then just like we talked about with the kind of like the cookie jar, then those are victories that fuel you. Even going back to make your bet, right? Like when oh, yeah. we read First that book, thing, like yeah. as soon as like when you get that victory, little victories, right? When I, I mean, the other day is a great example. And I think exercise, physical exercise is such a great analogy. We used it like when we're talking about finances, we used it like, mm-hmm. because it really connects, I think, to the, to, 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 it's a good picture of your mental life, of your spiritual life. All of those things can kind of connect to your physical life. Yeah, okay. I will say you're right about exercising. Is that what you're going to talk about? Exercising well, yeah. So like when I would exercise, I mean, when you exercise in the morning, it gives you the energy during the day. You look back and you know, you've already done something. And because I wake up at four 30, my, my workout is done by like six. And I know when most people are waking up, I've already done more physical, intense like activity, and I've reached goals. Like I lifted more today than I did yesterday, and I got a new personal record on here. And some people are just waking up and laying in bed and scrolling through Instagram. Right? You, you crack me up though because I'm proud of getting up at nine all week and working out first thing in the morning. <laughs> You're like I kind of at four thirty, but same concept though. No. I, I agree. Waking up early to wake, and you, you know the big difference between my physique and Mike's physique, but. I will tell you, it's definitely made a positive impact waking up at night. This is, is this a reselling podcast still? I'm just wondering. No, I mean, it <laughs> is. Just, no, no, but yeah. I'm just joking. Because, I mean, even listing, okay, think if you if you wake up in the morning and you've got a death pile and you're like, I'll get to that death pile at one in the morning after I've already tired and I've already done all this stuff. Or you were to say, I'm going to get knock out this death pile in the next 40 minutes. And then you got the rest of the day and that death pile is not over your head. And then you're like, I'm going to go sourcing. I'm going to go do. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, I've been getting up at nine. First thing I do is I get on the tread climber. Uh, it's like this. It's a stair stepper treadmill kind of mm-hmm. deal. I had it years ago. It was one of those things that you're like, why did I buy this? But now that I have it, I'm like, I might as well use it. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's been great because I get it out of the way. Then I can focus on my kids. And I, I do all my listening at night. So I, I've been cranking those out. But there's something to be said. So just something to think about. Like if you feel like you're in this constant, like I can't get my eBay listings done. I can't get FBA shipments done. Like you feel like you're constantly running out of time, right? Either getting up early and cranking that stuff out. Or maybe if you're trying to work on your health, like getting up early is is the way to go. Because again, it does help with mental health when you work out, right? I mean, that I'm, we're not doctors, but the, the data is... You can't compete with the data about that. And so that puts you in the mood for the rest of the day of getting things done. And even the simple thing as that book we read, make your bed, right? Making your bed first thing in the morning. So little victories. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code 
All in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code purehustle25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Now, let's talk about what he was doing in Hawaii. Do you remember what he was doing in Hawaii? He's doing a, it was a hundred, it was another hundred mile, but it was like in jungle. It was mm-hmm. like steep territory and it was brutal. It was more brutal than the other run that he was going to do. But what I like what he says, right? Because now he already has that other mile. If you read the account of the other one, like I'm pretty much like if I was ever able to do what he did at the run previously, it was in Las, it was in Las Vegas. I think so. Okay. I well, no, I think his first one was actually San Diego. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Hospitality point. How did I, how did I miss that? Okay. That now he has that cookie jar, right? He has that success. And so now he talks about how brutal this run was. And these are ultra marathons, right? And I never met an ultra marathon until we met our, our, uh, well, he's a friend of ours, but he was, he's a teacher at the school. We used to work at his wife is an ultra marathon runner. You would never know it, but like she has a can do attitude. Like there's nothing that can stop her. Right. And, and it's because, I think the mind is calloused, right? As he says here, he says on page uh, 212, he says, the changes happen within your brain. You've calloused your mind over a period of time. Your tolerance for mental and physical suffering will have expanded because your software will have learned that you can take a lot more than one punch. And he's talking about a fighter in the ring. Like the first time they get punched, like it's brutal. Have you ever been punched in the face like boxing? Yeah. Right. It's the, I'll never forget in college. I thought I could box. <laughs> and my buddy who was a boxer, he's like, dude, you're going to get worked. And I'm like, nah, come on, dude. All I have to do is connect with you one time with the right hook and it's over. 
I'm an idiot. Like, I'm like, all right, let's book a box. Went to the basement of the dorm, put on gloves. All he did is just, all he did is this quick couple jabs. jabs. Couple jabs. And I was, he knocked me out. Like, I mean, not like out cold, but I collapsed. Yeah. Like, he, and all I could take was two of them. That's that's a, that's a beautiful Mike Tyson quote, I think, is everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. I didn't know, like, how that was going to rock me. Right. I had no idea. And this guy wasn't Mike Tyson. Yeah. Right. But, but, but I totally understand what he's saying because, you know, and then he says, and if you stay with any test that's trying to beat you down, you will reap reward. So he's talking about like, if you're a, if you're a boxer and use any analogy, the more you're able to take that pain, the hits, right. You become callous to it. Right. And I think of my, my buddy that was a boxer. I remember watching him box and I'm like, Okay, I can only take two. This guy gets like I seen him get rocked, and he still wins. And and it's it's one of those things where it's the same thing, right? And he throws it out with all kinds of different examples, right? Whether it's running on a broken leg or or any other kind of agony, right? And so it's the same thing in business, same thing in in family, same thing with kids. I mean, you could apply to very aspects of your life. And so he applies this principle when he's in Hawaii and he's, he's still able to make it, but it was brutal for him. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is he has a lot of these early successes. And then later on, there's some failures we'll talk about. Um, and, and going into uh, chapter eight um, and there's even more races he gets into, but what kind of st- stands out to me with that one is he decides to do his first triathlon and he didn't even own a bike. Right. So he, got to borrow a bike from somebody and he only borrows a bike like a couple of weeks before the race and he doesn't understand the mechanics of it i mean i did a little bit of cycling i have a, a pretty decent bike and i i remember like i'd spent hours working on the bike and figuring out how it all worked and the pieces and how to fix things because when you're riding on the road and if something happens to your derailleur something happens to a gear something happens, you need to know how to fix it and have the tools or you know know how to handle a situation so if, uh, if you're gonna crash you know what to do and he ends up getting into this race and riding his bike has a pretty bad accident, doesn't have a spare bike because it's not even his bike. He's borrowing a bike and he doesn't have the tools or the know-how to fix it. So he's got to wait like 20 some minutes for a team to come there and help fix the bike up. And in a situation like that, like he's realizing he's losing time because he wasn't prepared. And what I thought about that is I love the fact that he just goes. Cause I think one thing, a lot of people err on the side of, getting too much knowledge ahead of time and never actually following through. Um, people will like, I'm going to start a new diet and a new exercise program. And so then they read all the stuff, they watch YouTube videos, but they never actually get to doing the thing, but they can tell you everything about the diet because they've done all the research or maybe it's reselling. They've done, they've watched all the YouTube videos. You've listened to the podcast. You've done all of these things, but when it comes down to it, you're, you're not actually listing and shipping and sourcing. You've just, you know, a lot about it. And so I think there's, it's better to do something than to know something but it's the best if you can do that thing and you know about it, right? So he he has failures because he's not prepared. But I think I think it goes to show that even if you're not prepared, doing taking action is better than doing nothing. He's still able to finish this race and he finishes, I think, in second place overall of this multi-day um, type triathlon. He's able to, to, to do good, but he would have done better. He probably would have won or come closer to winning had he really been prepared had he understood how bicycles work and how he if he knew how to fix it or had a team with him with a backup bike those were things he didn't have he wasn't prepared so what are the things in your life right like are you prepared for what's going to happen if half of your inventory sells in a day 
Are you prepared for what happens if something breaks or you've got a customer who's upset? Or are you going to be dealing with those things on the fly and not be able to handle it and lose precious time or money? So you want to be prepared, but you also need to act. And I think putting those two things together, and I think David Goggins is a great example of you can get close to winning, but the actual victory comes when you have the preparation and the action. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I think David Goggins demonstrates how quickly we can learn something and quickly forget because he actually does have a race between that mm -hmm. that he actually does prepare for. Mm -hmm. Right. So he does qualify for the Badwater race. So this is before the ultra, this is before the triathlon. And it, he says, Badwater is going to be different. I researched day and night. I studied the course, noted temperature and elevation variances and charted them out. I wasn't just interested in the air temperature. I drilled down deeper so I knew how hot the pavement would be on the hottest Death Valley day ever. I Googled videos of the race, watched them for hours, read blogs from runners. I drove north to Death Valley, explored the entire course. And he goes on and on and on and on. And it was successful. But then <laughs> he goes to this triathlon in chapter eight. And he totally fumbles it. And and the fact that this this bike that he had to use, like what happened with the bike is that he flew over the front of the handlebars and then it totally wrecked his bike. But again, it's an example of like, hey, just because we figured things out once doesn't mean we're going to fall apart again and do the same stupid actions that we had done before. Right. And so, you know, to me, this was a perfect example of like in reselling all the time, like we figure things out. I can't tell you. I mean, the, the people that have gone through Q4s with me, I, I think of Hugo and Tiffany uh, from So Quick Shipquake, like the first, I had two years ago doing a Q4, like that Q4 was still profitable, but it was a mess. It was a horrendous mess for me. I mean that, and then last Q4, it was better. It was good, but I still did some bad habits, right? Because I didn't, what he did here was Goggins actually like took notes of all the things that went bad. And therefore, he implemented them so he's better. So in your business, don't think because you reach the peak one time that, hey, you don't you're not going to do the same stupid mistake again. I mean, I've done this myself. I mean, I've I've lost thousands. I'm telling you thousands of dollars and learned and made thousands and then go again. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll buy 100 units of this at, you know, making less than four dollars net profit on each one. I'll be fine. And then. I lose thousands again because that is not a winning formula for me. Yeah. Right. It might be for some people, but for me, it's definitely not a winning formula. I mean, that's such a good point. I mean, just debriefing in general. I mean, you should do this often when you're doing like some kind of uh, reflection on, on how your business is doing. I would suggest doing this probably no less than monthly, um, probably more often like, okay, what are my numbers? Am I growing? And kind of figuring out where your strengths and weaknesses are. Like we've said, looking back at like past Q4s, um, C.S. Lewis has a great quote where he basically says people um, oftentimes don't need to learn something new. They just need to be reminded of what they already know. Yeah, right. Actually, and, yeah. and and just think about that with yourself. Like we're we're you're not special. Like we're not we all have the same proclivity to to make the same mistakes over and over and, and to say, man, I knew better. I mean, just a perfect like stupid example um, going back to like a nine to five type job one of the most important things for a teacher to do is attendance. Like attendance is like, like in, in the public school world, like attendance, that was the worst thing ever for me. Attendance is like the, like how it, you get your money. It's how you get your money. And so if I, if I do, if I am teach perfectly all day and like kids are engaged and everything goes great and I forgot to submit attendance for one class, that's all admin sees. 
right? And so I can't tell you how many times I left a day of work thinking I crushed it today. This was probably one of my best days teaching ever only to get an email when I get home of you forgot attendance for period four, please don't let this happen again. And it's like, how did I forget again? I even have sticky note on my computer. Like I, I just, I, I must've hit save and the page refreshed and I didn't like verify that it's like, mm-hmm. who knows. Right. But, but you know, you've got to know, like you're going to make mistakes. Those things are going to happen and figure out what those are and find ways to remind yourself. Once I started doing sticky notes and like a sticky note in my car, I get in my car and it's like, right, I'm going to just real quick check my, my phone. Oh, yep. Third period. I forgot attendance. That happens maybe once or twice a year, hit the save button. We're good to go. Right. And so you figure out what those things are for you. What do you need? Do you need post-it notes? Do you need like a weekly, like, I'm just going to like write down in a journal and just check that I do this this week. Did I do this this week? Oh man, I forgot to call. I forgot to call my parents. I told myself I was going to work on relationships or I didn't actually get the 10 listings done because I spent too much time, whatever it is, right? Like we make mistakes. And so know what your mistakes are going to be or what they often are and, and prepare because yeah, you might have one day, one week, one year of just things are flawless. <laughs> those, are, those are good years. But, uh, but then the next time it's like, I can't believe I made a rookie mistake again. And then, and yeah, so, uh, I think those are great points. But then what happens to him, you would think of all people like this wouldn't happen to him, but he ends up having heart issues. Mm-hmm. He actually has two heart surgeries in here. Yep. Right. And the interesting thing is that he takes his time after surgery, I think he's out for like 14 months. He, he actually, he got, he ended up being like the recruiting, like poster person for, for the Navy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he was, he was out recruiting. He was going to all these universities and he was like on literally on posters. Mm-hmm. And then he started having heart issues, but it, it caused him to assess his life, to, to assess the hours that he spends. And I really like what he does at the end of this chapter, because I was talking about earlier about the time that we spend Right. And, and how Hoff, by the way, Mike is drinking some Diet Mountain Dew. I just yeah, want to throw that I, out I need there. some caffeine. So I don't know. I, maybe I've been a bad influence not, not, on him. Not a, it's, it's we're we're going to get comments in the YouTube. It's too late for coffee, <laughs> but uh, I still need some extra I'm caffeine. I'm glad we don't get comments on, on the, uh, on the podcast side. Cause I don't know what people would say. Cause we have so many more listeners on the podcast side. All right. Um, so I think it's, it's good. He talks about, you know, during this time he began to assess all his, all that he was doing. Cause he was spending a ton of time. Not only was he running, I think he was running like 130, 140 miles a week, which is, I'm happy to run five, but he was a hundred. Like he's like, Oh, I, I'm just going a 40 mile run. Like, I, I mean, I know a couple of people that do that, but that's, that's not the norm. Mm. But then he says, Hey, how much time do we spend? I've actually listened to some of his stuff. He does, you know, go off on like, how much time do we waste on social media? How much time do we waste on Netflix? How much time do we waste? And so, he talks about, you know, in order to get things right, and he talks about this in a later chapter, like taking inventory of your time and then reducing that so you're more productive, right? And I think that's very, I think as a reseller, I think as a full-time reseller, that's super important. I mean, one thing I, I recognized was, I've shared this before, when I first uh, was full-time, I thought I would have all this time. Now I do have a lot of time, but I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, Orlando, how much do you think you work? I'm like, oh. I think I work all the time, right? I'm, whether it's Pierce of Podcasts, whether it's eBay, whether it's Amazon, whatever it is, I'm always working. So it kind of had me thinking about, okay, do I need to comp- compartmentalize more, right? And go, okay, why am I spending so much time here? If I just gave myself, like Tim Ferriss says in the four hour work week, hey, instead of spending an hour, I'm going to only spend 30 minutes doing this. 
maybe I'll crank it out on those 30 minutes and save myself the 30 minutes and open that up for me to have more family time or maybe spend time on whatever else I need to get done. Yeah. I mean, a good example of that. And like, I think Tim Ferriss and four hour work week talked a lot about this, something like emails, right? You can spend like literally if you've got a job where you're getting emails, which is probably, you know, many of our listeners, if they're not full-time resellers, you could probably every every minute open up, find new emails, be responding. And then you start a new report or a new task and it's like, oh, I've got another email and then you switch tasks. And if you're constantly switching tasks, whereas if you were to say, I'm going to do emails from 3 to 4 p.m. every single day and I'm going to crank them all out then and I'm not even going to look at my email unless it's like an emergency one, you have it filtered where if somebody has to reach you, they can call you or however they need to get a hold of you. But you can actually be more productive because if you spend only an hour on emails as opposed to, why well, do emails for six hours a day but you know, it's in between tasks and it's not, you might actually be able to crank out more emails in a, in a smaller time frame, and then your productivity is going to go up in other areas. So yes, figuring out little tips like that, uh, to try and say like, okay, now's my listing time or now's my sourcing time. Now's my email time. Now's my, whatever it is, as opposed to interspersing it throughout the entire day. Like even for you for like doing social media, like I know that a lot of your posts, I mean, we post, you know, throughout the day, like a lot of the stories kind of all get uploaded in the evening, mm -hmm. which is probably a better way of doing it than if you were to like try and upload posts every time. You oh, no, that, that's why I do it. I mean, the only time we did, we've we done it like while things were happening was eBay open, right? Because we wanted you guys to things see are time what was sensitive, happening. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I do the late night posts because seriously, I mean, th those those stories take time <laughs> to put together. And so I, I think they're like mini YouTube videos, right? So, so I agree. I mean, if, I exchange emails for DMs, right? Yep. And so that's why, you know, some people, I, I hope everything's okay, but I always, I, I do them all at one time, but I wait until later in the day because if I'm doing them throughout the day, sometimes I'll answer some throughout the day, mm -hmm. but you can really get distracted, right? Yep. And, and lose focus. So, so it's good. I mean, take inventory of your time. All right. Before we move on to the next chapter, I do want to talk about our social media since we're talking about it. So, yeah. hey, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pierce the Podcast. Hey, you can look for us on TikTok. You can play those views because now we're on the TikTok Creator Fund. We, yeah. We've we made an entire 16 cents. Yeah. See, so, I mean, that's so, that's how we can keep our lights on in here. We are we are moving up if, in the if TikTok If we keep this world. going for a couple more years on TikTok, I'll be able to buy one of these Diamond Mountain Dews. There you go. So... It, it just cracks me up because we actually had one that had like 250,000 views. And I think you get paid, it's like 0 0.03 cents per every thousand views, like three cents. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that didn't happen until after that one went viral. So yeah. what can you do with that? I think I'm going to repost that one. And speaking of which, just so you guys know, anytime you spend listening to Peerless Podcast or on our social media is not time wasted. That is so true. you do not that have to true. add that in that to like... <laughs> You know, this is this is work. You know, when you're social meeting and you're I don't know no, social media. That's, that's a verb I just made. When you're it's when you're part of the lexicon. When you're social meeting, um, you are and you're on Pierce Podcast, I mean, you're growing. That's education. That's not that's not entertainment like waste of time. This is like, this is business. Prime time. Hey, also, we are pre Cast on Twitter. If you're listening to us on the podcast, you want to catch us on YouTube, hit that subscribe at pre Podcast and that Ooh. bell notification. And, uh, you know, because we may be going live here soon. I haven't talked to Mike, but I think it's time for us to do another live soon. So we'll, we'll talk after this podcast. <laughs> and then, uh, hey, by the way, appreciate all the help, especially with the reviews. Always super helpful. Push us up on the algorithm. Thank you guys that are buying shirts. That's really been helpful. Uh, and, you know, 
right now we're in this transitional phase between um, sponsorships. And so we've kind of taken a major dip on our backend sponsor because we're always wanting to be 100% free. And so our hope is that we can always have sponsors so we can make that the case all the time. And so appreciate all of you and appreciate the donations because those definitely help. And uh, anytime you sign up for like Cellhound or list perfectly or vendu or any of our sponsors that have you know our pure hustle code on there that always helps we have our affiliate links anyways you guys know the drill but i just want to throw that out there because we always 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 have said 100 content free and so we want to keep it that way and one of the best ways that we've been able to keep that way is by having all those sponsorships because you know there's this thing that happens as you have more listens and more views and and more dms to answer is like all that begins to dip into your reselling, right? And then you got to start making choices about which one are you going to end up doing. So appreciate all of you. You, you, I, I can't tell you how grateful we are. We're like at twenty point two k on Instagram, and it's like, what? Okay, really? Like, all right. Well, thank you guys for following us, and you know, always being supportive. So I think I've said my spiel. So yeah, it's good stuff. All right, all right. So moving into chapter nine, um, one of the things that's interesting here, um, I, I mean. Everybody knows the seals, right? Like I feel like there's there's been so the many Navy movies, seals? yeah. Okay. So there's been so many movies made about the Navy SEALs and and that like kind of training and what that is. You mean like Chuck Norris? <laughs> but there's other military branches that have spe- I mean every military branch has a special force, but um some of these aren't maybe as well known, but they specialize in very different things and and their their programs and their trainings are just as intense, maybe different. Um they're not the same type of training as SEAL training. Um, but uh, Goggins ends up going into Ranger training and also Delta training. Um, and so he, he he doesn't just say, like, I'm a Navy SEAL and I've kind of reached the peak and this is who I am. But he realizes, hey, there's things that Rangers do, um, specifically like leadership wise and, and things like that, that are, are maybe a little bit um, like even more prestigious than what the SEALs do. And then Delta Force, they're they're a little bit more intellectual and they have... They're the best like navigators and they have skills that that are just so far above any other branch. Like, so he decides instead of being a big fish in a small pond, which not saying a Navy SEAL is a big fish in a small pond by any means, but he realizes I can be better. I can, I can, I can, I can gain these other skills and abilities and and try and become, and a phrase that he uses that I like is like the uncommon amongst uncommon, right? Like when you are, and I, I, I love the idea. I've heard some people make comments like, "You never want to be the dumbest person in the room or the least capable person in a room, right?" That's a rough place to be in. But also, in the same way, you don't want to be the most capable and smartest person in the room because if that's the case, you probably need to find a new room, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you're not going to be growing. You're not going to be pushed. Such a good point. When you're in a place where, like, some of the people in the room are like smarter than you or they're more capable at their job or whatever it is, they're pushing you to get better. And if you are that person and there's nobody around who's who's challenging you and pushing you and you can kind of just float and be be comfortable, it's not a good place to be in either. And so he realizes I want to be I want to be not just a, a big fish in a pretty big pond. I want to be one of the biggest fish in in the whole world, right? Like he, he wants to just go bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, that's a really interesting place and, and way of thinking. And so what, maybe what are those things for, for reselling, right? Like maybe you, you know, your niche and you're really good in it. And, and maybe that's all you need in order to make a living because you, you're the, the shoe reseller on eBay. But if you can learn accounting, right? Like it doesn't even have to be like, well, now I have to learn Amazon or now, 
But if you're like, you know what, I'm going to go take some accounting classes and I'm going to learn how to do my own taxes, or I'm going to learn how to do this, or I'm going to, and you, you pick up another skill, or I'm going to learn about like inventory management. I'm going to go, I'm going to go train with somebody and, and help them out at their shop and they do inventory stuff. And I'm going to take skills from that. And so always try and find ways that you can improve. And this kind of goes back to building your resume, but never get comfortable because because you're probably not at the top anyways. Almost nobody's at the top, right? That's the, that's the nature of the top is there's only one person there, right? Or very few people there. And you don't know who that is. Yeah. And and so, and and most likely it's not you, but that's not actually a, something that should be discouraging. That should be encouraging in the sense that there's room to grow. And when there's room to grow, you know, and, and one of the other things that's true in life is it's easier to go from 80% to 90% than it is to go from like 90% to 100%, right? Like the further you have to go up, the easier it is to move up. Once you get really close to the top, when you're fighting for like one or 2%, you're putting in intense effort for very little game. But if you're only like in the bottom 40% of your career, uh, it's going to take some work, but it's going to take a lot less work than you think to make huge leaps and, and bounds, whether you're learning a new computer software, whether you're learning, you know, uh, like leadership techniques or just like what we talked about with like the books that we read, right? Like maybe it's the five second rule, like little improvements that you make can make drastic impact in your business. No, agreed. Agreed. And I, I really, this, this stuck out to me because it's so easy to be complacent. It's so easy. I mean, I myself like struggle like, and I'll share this on an update episode, but there's, there's, a, there's certain platforms right now that there's a lot of opportunity, but I've, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to go there. Right. I, I don't, I don't need to learn that. I'm good. I don't need more. And I don't know many people like David Goggins where he's like, Oh, I want to learn how to be a better leader. And I heard that the army Rangers have great, you know, I don't know if it's courses or whatever, like protocol on how to be a great leader. And he decides he goes from Navy SEAL to Army Ranger. And then he's talking about Delta Force too, right? And I'm like, this is wild to me. Like, wild, right? And I, I love what he says here, right? You're talking about the room full of people, right? And I agree with you. Like, I actually, I you hear this all the time, right? You need to be around people that are encouraging, are better than you. Like, if you're, if you're around people that are always whiny and are always upset, like, I think about resellers, right? And, and I've heard other people say that, you know, resellers can be some of the most whining persons that you've ever met in your life. And I, and I think there's some truth to that. I also know there's a ton of people that are super positive and encouraging, too. So there's a counterbalance in the force. And so... You know, it all depends who you surround with, right? If you follow people on on YouTube or, or maybe we're those people on Bureau's Podcast, whatever it is, that are super negative and like anytime eBay rolls something out, they're like, I'm done with eBay. I'm oh, wow. Sorry, the microphone got really passionate there. I'm done with eBay. I'm not doing this anymore. Like right now, Mercari raised their fees. And and you know, a lot of people are really upset about that. And I get it. Like, you gotta be upset. eBay. Well, always, I always, I'm always a believer that people will always raise fees, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons to that. But if you're around people that go, hey, you know what? We're going to adapt. We're going to make things better. I think those are the people you want to surround yourself with, right? Because they're going to thrive. They're going to find ways. And going back to your idea about learning, you know, David Goggins on page 284, I, I love what he says here. He says, always be willing to embrace ignorance and become the dumbest person in the classroom again because that is the only way to expand your body of knowledge and body of work. It's the only way to expand your mind. And we talked about this, 
right? In reselling that you and I, like, just because we have a podcast doesn't mean we're, we know anything. Like, yeah. I mean, we know, we know a decent amount, but there's so much we don't know that we still need to learn. This is why I always comment on Instagram or on Facebook. I always say, we're always learning because it's true. Yeah. I mean, you got to listen to our upcoming up, update episode. Um, we haven't recorded it yet, but I know something I'm going to be talking about. And I learned new things about eBay this week that I'm like, I have no idea, right? Like I've been selling on eBay for two years now. Even though I'm right here. Yeah. And it's like, well, I didn't know to ask. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so um, that happens all the time and you you got it. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And and again, it's it's thinking of it just that way. It's like, okay, what do I not know about eBay? But your business is so much more than that, right? Like I mentioned, things like accounting, things like business management, things like um, negotiation, negoti- like there's so many little things, even like people skills, which kind of goes into negotiation, but, mm-hmm. but like how to, I mean, what's a book we haven't done it yet, but probably one we will do like how to win friends and influence. That's the next book. Is it? Okay. I mean, I didn't have a discussion with you, but I was going to tell you like, let's make that the next book. Yeah. I mean, so like little things like that, like people skills, like I know I've improved a lot with certain areas of people skills and then there are certain areas where I haven't and I'm okay with that because I just don't want to. <laughs> And that's fine. But like, there's so many things, you know, like, I can't tell you, I, and I mentioned this in a, in a previous podcast, but I spent some time doing, um, you know, basically as like middle management for a company, for like a corporation. And I had to do so many reports and it was like Excel, Excel, Excel. And then I've also done a lot of like video, like not, not, um, not video. Um, I have done video, which has helped with the podcast. Right. Uh, but I've done, um, like computer software stuff. Like I never got into coding, but like I was always interested in, you know, computer stuff and how to use software. And and so like little skills like that. And I can't tell you how all of those things have kind of funneled into the perfect mm-hmm. storm of, man, like that is helping me in teaching. It's helping me with the podcast. It's helping me with what I'm doing with church. It's helping me like all these things. Like I who would have known that Excel, like knowing how to use Excel would be helping me with eBay. Right. And so there's so many areas in your life where you might have to say, you know, I don't know anything about web design. I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything. Learning that thing might help you sell more used shoes, right? You you have no idea unless you go and learn those things. No, but it's such a great point because we balance each other on the podcast. So, for example, you know, you talk about you're being an introvert and it's hard to meet with people. Well, I I, I mean, I, I think I'm good at networking in the sense that like that was a skill that I really think, didn't think I needed until I had a boss that told me. And I shared this before, like whenever we go to conferences, you don't exist and I don't exist. We don't talk to each other at all. You go and you meet with people and he pushed me out there and it's helped us out on the podcast, right? It helps us out bridge relationship with eBay, helps us out bridge relationship with different companies. I mean, it's been really good, right? And so it's definitely, you know, an idea of, hey, put yourself in a place where everybody knows better than you and then try to figure out what you need to do to learn and to reach the next level and to just add another piece to that repertoire so you can be better at your business. And uh, before we move on, I do want to share. So our next book, it's so crazy that you brought that up, will be Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, We had a lot of people telling us, hey, we should do that book. I've seen it discussed a lot and it's actually the book I wanted to do next. So it works out. So you want to pick that up, pick it up. We'll uh, we'll have a link eventually somewhere for that book. Um, and, and kind of going along with, with some of the things we were even just talking about, like we, 
I think it's easy when you hear about somebody like David Goggins and all of the crazy success, the fact that he's basically willing to run on breaking broken legs and, you know, have all these injuries and his body shutting down and he's still doing things that, that he's really not like capable of doing and he figures out a way to do it. Um, but what I love is, as it moves into chapter 10, we see that there are a lot of failures too. Like he actually doesn't pass Delta. He doesn't pass the Delta training. He doesn't end up, you know, succeeding there. And he fails in trying to achieve a pull-up record when you first several times. I mean, he, he recovers it. in both. But. Yeah. I mean, he recovers, but, but, but he doesn't, like he never actually ended up passing Delta, right? Like, like he, he was rolled out twice. I think it was. Yeah. And, he got called up actually. And then, yeah. It didn't, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't work. So, so he, he's got almost like a stain on his record. Like you might think like, oh, I mean, it's almost shameful. He tried this thing. I mean, but, but he, he's, he's a Navy SEAL who also passed Ranger school, right? Like, okay, he didn't pass Delta school, but he learned some things. It humbled in some, him in some areas. And you got to look if a person like this is willing to do something so hard and fail and not be like, well, that's it. Like I've, 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 I've reached my peak, but he doesn't ever get to that point in his life. And you can still watch him. If you were to follow David Goggins right now on social media every day, He's out running. He's making videos. He's just, he's pounding the pavement all the time doing stuff. And I think that it's important to realize like failures are going to happen. And like you talked about, like you're going to make mistakes. You made mistakes in reselling. I made mistakes in reselling. I made mistakes in my career. I made mistakes in life. Like you're going to fail, but you got to fail forward. You've got to be willing mm. to embrace failure. You've got to be willing to say, I'm going to do the hard thing. And if I'm going to fail, I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to grow and I'm not going to be afraid of failure. And we've talked about the idea of like even growth mindset, right? Like some people, some of the most intellectual or some of the most capable people with the most natural talent actually don't achieve as much success because they're afraid of failure because they know that their whole life they've been told you're so good. You're so smart. You're so, and they're afraid if I fail, then that's going to go away. And sometimes some of the people with lower IQs or lower natural talent way outpace them because it's. I've never been told how smart I am, but I'm going to keep reading and I'm going to keep reading and I'm going to keep learning new things. And eventually I'm going to pass up the person who's stuck in okay or stuck in look how smart he is, right? So failure is okay if you're willing to learn from it and keep going and growing and moving. So the failure that Mike's referring to is he was trying to get the pull-up world record, right? And he was trying to, he was he had to get over 4,000 pull-ups done, which is insane. Like I'm reading this and I'm sharing this with my son and I'm like, yeah, he was talking about, you know, he got to, he said, I'll read one thing. After my 25th, hundredth pull-up, I could barely lift my hands high enough to grip the bar, let alone clear it with my chin. And just like that, it was over. Right. So he didn't make it right. And I'm like 2,500. Like, do you remember in PE? Well, not you, Mike. You probably were easy. But I remember in PE, like that was one of the hardest things in high school was when you had to do the pull-up to get the presidential award. Like, I mean, I always struggle with a lot of things, but the pull-up was the toughest one, right? My son jokes about, like, I can do pull-ups. I'm like, good for you. Good for you. But 2,500. And so he takes that failure, right? And a lot of people wouldn't see that as failure, but for David Goggins, that is failure. Right. Because he didn't reach his goal. And there's actually pictures of his hands, which horrendous. I don't know how this guy does it. So then he he ends up recoup, regrouping, thinking through what he needs to do. And he says, in life, there's no gift as overlooked or inevitable as failure. I've had a, quite a few and I've learned to relish them. Because if you do, the forensics, you'll find clues about where to make adjustments and how to eventually accomplish your task. I'm not talking about a mental list either. 
after the second attempt, so he tried this twice, right? I wrote everything out longhand, but didn't start with the obvious issue, my grip. Initially, I brainstormed everything that went well, because in every failure, a lot of good things will happen, will happen, will have happened, and we must acknowledge them. And, and, I, and I go, that, that is so powerful because, you know, sometimes, especially I say in reselling, there's a lot of people that give up on reselling. I mean, we have, it happens all the time. I, I can't tell you. I mean, we get DMs all the time. Like, Hey, you guys are still around. I remember doing reselling. And then after a while, I was like, I couldn't do this anymore. But then there's a lot of people that push through. I mean, there's some people right now that have hit us up and said, Hey, we now are full time. It was tough, but we got there. Right. And so it just takes, it takes, a, it does take a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of hustle, but um, the main thing it takes is learning how to be better. Right. I I'm far better than I was at reselling than I was even three, four weeks ago than I was a year ago, but I still got a long road ahead of me. But I, I do believe one of the reasons that I'm able to be full time for a third year, <laughs> I keep counting, like how long can I do this for is because I've learned right? The initial mistakes that I thought were good things that I told Mike and Mike did, and he made the same mistake. I'm now like, no, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it that way. And so he eventually gets to that place, right? And do you remember how many pull-ups he did? I don't remember that. Okay. It's pretty crazy. So he says after 17 hours of pain, (laughs) 17 hours, how long have you done pull-ups for before Mike? Um, I don't do like, I I always used to like sets and reps. So So you never never got a full hour. No, I, I do five. I, I usually never do more than five sets. Um, my original goal when I first started doing pull-ups was how many sets it would take to do 50, um, like full from a dead hang pull-ups. And sometimes that would be like 10, you know, 10 full sets. Uh, but then once I got that down to like five sets, then now it's just however many pull-ups I can do in five sets. Wow. Good for you. Okay. I can't speak on that. That's But only twice to. a week. So, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is after 17 hours of pain around 3 a.m. on January 20th. 2013, I did my 4,020th and my 4,021st pull-up, and the record was mine. Everyone in the gym cheered, but I stayed composed after two more sets and 4,030. So he kept going. Like, he made it, but he kept pushing. Yeah, make that record hard for the next person to beat. That's I know, what I'd right? be thinking. <laughs> so I took my headphones out, stared in the camera, and said... I tracked you down, Stephen Highland. So Stephen Highland was like the soul that he was taking that was pushing him forward. So here, here, let me, uh, let, let's talk about how intense this was. I mean, that in itself is in one day, I lifted the equivalent of 846,030 pounds, nearly three times the weight of the space shuttle. How do your muscles react after that? Right. I, I have, no idea. So he says, after logging more than 67,000 pull-ups in nine months, it was time to put them in my cookie jar and move on because life is one long imaginary game that has no scoreboard, no referee, and isn't over until we're dead and buried. Yeah. That's, isn't that just a crazy mindset? Like a per, I would say the average person is going to be done, right? The average person they get to a successful moment and and they they live on that success. But if you've ever reached success in your life, you know that feeling doesn't last for long. So I love true. the idea of a cookie jar that you can use that as fuel for the next success. And I think that 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 there's a truth there that you have to realize that like you can't expect that achieving a goal is going to bring you satisfaction in life. Because 
a hundred times out of a hundred, you get that thing and it doesn't provide exactly what you thought it was going to provide, right? You're always going to be chasing. And so I think you have to have a healthy view of that. That can be good motivation to keep going, but you also, I, I know that that can lead some people to depression. I mean, like with the, with the, um, like minimalism thing. Like I, well, I, the Tim Ferriss book was like on to the next one, on to the next one, yeah. on to the next one. No, for sure. And so like, I know minimalism is, is like, was kind of trendy for a little while. Um, and Still I'm, is. I'm kind of a minimalist, but not because I like necessarily believe like that. It's like the thing I need to do. I'm not like, I, I feel like some people are, I don't want to say religious about it, but you know, it's like that kind of devotion towards that lifestyle because of the freedom it gives them me. It's just because we live in a fifth will, like that's just kind of what we were forced to do. Yeah. But I remember I watched like a documentary where a guy, and I think it was like the first one that kind of made the minimalism lifestyle popular. And he wanted like a certain promotion and a, and a job. And that was going to be like the highlight of his career. And he gets there. And I don't even remember how old he was. He wasn't even that old. He was like in his thirties. And he like reaches like the height of like the, what he always wanted to achieve. He gets the office. He gets the, he has the car, he's got the house and he like goes home and he's like, I'm miserable. Like I, I like I have it now. Like what? Like I don't feel like I'm, I don't have that thing pushing me anymore. I don't have anywhere else to go. And so for him, he kind of went the minimalist lifestyle to say like, I'm not going to let things in pursuit of things be the thing that drives me. I want to have something else to give me value. So I think you have to to keep both in, in, in balance there that it's okay to realize that success doesn't lead to satisfaction. Like there's always going to be the next challenge. And that's a good thing to constantly be going. But then to also realize you can't be looking at achieving the goal as the thing that's going to give you satisfaction. Like let that be motivation to keep you going, but know that you've got to find your, your, you've got to find your ultimate satisfaction in something greater than just your business, something greater than just making money, whether it's your family, whether it's your, your, your faith, whatever, there's got to be something that, that is more important than just getting six figure, a six figure years on Amazon or whatever it is for you. Cause you're going to get there and money provides a lot of opportunities, but it doesn't always provide like the joy or satisfaction that, that people think it will. So I think you've got to keep both. Cause I think David Goggins is another good example. There's a lot of times in the book where I'm like, man, he, he achieved some crazy things, but he also lost a lot of things. Like he did. He yeah. lost a lot of family relationships and, stuff, yeah. and family and, and his whole life was dedicated to achieving these goals. And I kind of look, I'm like, I don't know if I would trade places with him, you know? So You've got to find the right balance for you. But I think we can look at somebody who's the extreme end of the spectrum and say, what can I glean from this person and their uh, their accomplishments and the fact that it they show that it's you, you can do more than you think you can do. Um, but also, how do I avoid some of the problems that come along with that? Well, yeah. And the other side of that, though, I mean, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. But when he talks about like it's on to the next, like I, I think that very much speaks about life in the sense that don't be complacent. Don't be stuck. Don't say, Hey, this is enough. Cause there's so much more you can do. There's so much that you can tap into that. Maybe, you know, you've been stuck. Maybe you've thought that you can only resell one way, or maybe you thought that financially you can only be one way, or maybe, you know, raising your family or, you know, spiritually or whatever angle you want to go at, you know, physical wealth. I mean, there's just different ways to look at it, but it doesn't have to stay in there, right? It doesn't have to be that same constant scenario that you're like, is this all that there is, right? There is more. And so David Goggins ends the book and just asks the question, what if, 
what if there's so much more that you can do that you haven't tapped into? Because instead of looking at all these terrible scenarios such as David Goggins had endured and suffering and, and these failures and letting them just hold you back, what if you could rise above those, let those be calloused and push you and use that cookie jar to motivate you to do so much more in your reselling business, in your family and other aspects of your life. So hopefully this book inspired, hopefully it motivated you. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Peace. Peace.